obviously on dream realm but you deserve guarantees and i wish i could give you guarantees but given my track record i you don't have to speak anymore if you don't want to isaac whispered i know she really liked this herbal tea bar what's the name of this herbal tea bar i think it's called oolong for memories oh yes i recognize her she's part of a group that meets here every sunday night monday morning jordan pulled out photos of lachey and cindy and showed them to gray Ray's face looked rather shocked as she stared between the two additional photos. I also recognize these women. They're, they came in on Sundays. I think they're part of the group, too. Then let's call it a night. We managed to get this far in one night, and we'll have to tune in tomorrow to the meeting. There's going to be so many questions, I don't know how we'll be able to contain ourselves. Hyman, we can't do this anymore. So why? I, just tell me why you don't want to meet me in real life. We will meet one day. It's just not... You're listening to episode seven to the audiobook slash podcast project, Dream Realm. Voiced, written, and produced by me, Matt Rebar. Part three, chapter one. Jordan and Elias walked into Oolong for Memories that Sunday night, crossing into early Monday morning in the hopes of finding information which would help them solve the murders of Maris Gibbons, Cindy Roberts, and Lachey Paulsley. So far, the three murders appeared unconnected and unsolvable, although the fact that these three girls were part of a group which met weekly here at the tea store gave Jordan and Elias a rather hopeful sign that there would be more to the story behind these three than just violent murders. Do you think we'll be welcome? Elias asked of Jordan as they climbed the stairs. We just need to play our cards right, Jordan nodded. Depending on what kind of group this is, they may become very welcoming or hostile. (laughs) Hmm. Hostile. In the dream realm, you don't say. Elias dryly chuckled as they approached the top of the landing. The meeting was already in session, and so Jordan carefully knocked on the door before stepping inside. She was followed immediately behind by Elias, and the two examined the room, which had turned their gaze upon them. There were roughly 30 women or so, with an additional three or four guys. They sat in a circle, but not the ordinary constructed circle you'd see at an addiction facility. The circle seemed to move with the flow of the room, some people's chairs a bit further from everyone's. Each person had their own small table where their tea stood hot and ready. A few plates of biscuits went uneaten as well. Can we help you? A blonde woman cried out. She seemed to potentially be the head of the circle, a rather confident woman who would not back down to improper intruders. The voice came off British, although there wasn't too much said which could be analyzed for a specific regional dialect. I'm Jordan Furman, and this is investigator Elias DeAngelis. We work for the city of Cardonia, Jordan explained. We were told that Maris Gibbons, Cindy Roberts, and Lachey Palsley were part of this group. Is that true? The room seemed to stir with worry, as the blonde woman who had acted as gatekeeper now had dropped the bravado. They are part of this group, but why do you ask? Are they okay? Is, is something wrong? I'm sorry to be the one to tell you, but all three girls were murdered this week in Cardonia. Maris last Monday, Cindy last Wednesday, and Lachey last Friday. The room really went into shock as some immediately began crying or whimpering. Others looked frozen. Some shook their heads or otherwise buried them. While telling Jeanne and Jason had been hard, this had become downright impossible. The blonde woman was perhaps the only person who could get it together enough to follow up with that news. Please, sit down and join us blonde woman asked, making space next to her own chair. 
Both Jordan and Elias imagined their own chairs and sat down as part of the circle. For a minute, everyone sat in silence, reacting to the news themselves, but finally the blonde woman pushed the meeting forward. We usually only see Cindy and Lachey at meetings every so often, but Maris, she was perhaps one of our more active members. I was worried when the week had gone by and I hadn't seen her. Normally she'd tell me, or someone, that she would be off the realm for a period of time, and I grew even more worried when she didn't show up tonight, and I'm speechless. I, I have so many questions, and I, I suppose you have many questions as well. We should tell them our stories first, or at least tell them about Mara, Cindy, and Lachey, one of the women cried out. No, I want to hear what happened to them, another woman demanded, looking at Elias and Jordan, as if the two of them were responsible for the murders. Since you're all processing the news, I'll explain what happened. Elias came off rather crisp. He went into detail about the three murders, recapping the same information that he and Jordan knew. Elias continued to explain that he felt the murders were done by the same person. By the end of his story, the room seemed a little stunned, but perhaps determined to help solve the crime. So we came to you for any helps or tips, Jordan added after Elias had finished. We aren't sure what this group is, but you all seem like friends. I had a feeling that some kind of clues or evidence may be here in Dream Realm, and that's how we got here. We ended up here at Oolong for Memories. I see. The blonde woman nodded. Well, I, I completely forgot to introduce myself in the group. My name is Cherise Bethine, and I'm one of the moderators of this group. We call ourselves the New Leaves. The name comes from the fact that we met at the tea shop, but more importantly, that we're trying to make our lives anew after our terrible experiences. Every woman and man in this room has been raped, sexually assaulted, or sexually abused. We come together as a therapy and as a way to stay connected and support each other. Maris, Cindy, and Lachey were part of us. They two victims trying to seek healing. Jordan's mind was going a mile a minute, but she decided there would be plenty of time to ask questions later. We come from parts of the United States, Europe, the world, Cherise explained as she looked around the room. We have a tentative membership of over 90 members. We come from pockets, even though most of us haven't really met each other in person. I'm from South London, as is Gina and Rochelle. We all have the same attacker and rapist, and I know Maris, Lachey, and Cindy were from Cardonia, as was their rapist. So, how did you all meet? Our small circles finally got a hold of each other over time, Cerise explained. The last few months, well, nothing like this has really happened. We found each other quickly, and we haven't let go. We've been doing our best to find out more about the rapist responsibles and re reporting them and, you know, finding more of survivors. It's getting tricky, but I, I know Maris, Cindy, and Lachey were getting closer to pinning down the man who raped them. So Maris, Cindy, and Lachey were working together to obtain justice for themselves? Yes, even though justice can be skewed. Rape is still hard to prove in the court of law, sadly. Well, what makes it difficult is this type, this type of rape... It isn't technically illegal. What? Jordan questioned. What What do you mean? Rape is a felony in the United States of America, and I'm sure most of the countries everyone in this room is from. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't explain properly. Cherie sidespoke, looking around the room once before turning to their guests. These rapes didn't happen in real life. They happened here. Here on the dream realm. Chapter 2 Jordan and Elias looked at one another before looking back at Cherise. But Jordan was about to speak the truth. She knew that rape and sexual abuse couldn't happen in the dream realm due to the code of the system. I know what you're going to say, Sharice whispered, but please don't say it. What we're going to share with you happened, and all of it happened here on the dream realm. None of us were physically raped. No, 
Our bodies lay in sleeping position within our homes when it happened, but emotionally, mentally, spiritually, we felt everything in those departments which mimics real rape. But that's the funny thing, what we felt was real, even though it was all just a dream. And most of us experienced our rapes thinking that we were dreaming within the dream realm or that it couldn't be rape because sex was happening. And some of us were told to our face by our rapists that they were able to change the game. My rapist in particular told me that he had an in which would allow him to have sex with whatever woman he wanted. My rapist didn't believe it was rape because it wasn't real. Or maybe he thought it was real or maybe he didn't care. See, we allow murder and drugs into the dream realm, and those aren't crimes, right? Because if you get murdered, you just wake up and start anew. It's, it's easy, but rape is not the same thing. You don't just start anew. How are these rapists getting away with rape? Elias questioned. How is the dream realm code not stopping them? We are not sure, Sharice answered smoothly, pretty smooth considering that she was most likely experiencing traumatic memories of her own rape, as well as the recent news that three of her friends had been murdered. We believe that some men have individually or worked with others on codes to hack parts of the Dream Realm experience. We don't know what this would entail, although one of the pieces clearly seems to be hacking through the inability to rape or sexually harm others. How they fool the system is beyond any of our understandings. These men all vary. Some are younger, some are older. They're in different cities. One here and there, such as London, Cordonia, New York, Madrid, Houston, Berlin. No doubt part of a collector's ha hacker's union or something. And not all of these men are straight, some are bi or gay, some have no true sexual pull, but enjoy raping any other human being. It's not always about sex. It can be about power. We don't know the extent of their damage, and there are probably tens of others like us, some of which have left Dream Realm altogether, some of which have forgotten or hidden the truth of the situation, or even some who might have been drugged and don't remember at all. After all, there, there's no such feature on Dream Realm which can replay your memory. We are both lucky, maybe, and unlucky, for sure, to be the ones who remember. But we are lucky that we have each other and the support of the new leaves. It is a lot to take in, Elias whispered. I have many questions, although I'm curious to know more about Mara, Cindy, and Lachey and how they play into this. Absolutely. Cherise nodded, switching tracks. Maris, Cindy, and Lachey were each raped by a similar man called the Weakling. He never showed his face to any of the three. He kept it hidden behind a ski mask. The girls had a few theories about why he never showed his identity. They wondered if he was scared to come forward as a rapist or if he didn't have the gusto within his normal self. Maris was the first victim by the Weakling. That was seven months ago. Cindy and Lachey came after five and four months ago, respectively. The girls figured the man had to be someone interconnected into their lives. Most of our rapists are people who we know in the real world for one reason or another. For example, the man who raped Gina Rochelle and I is a man called William Bensley, a computer engineer for a top firm in London. William and I went to college together. While well, William and Gina were colleagues at a coffee shop in high school, and William and Rochelle were part of the same community board five years prior. Now it's possible that William might have had feelings that he had for us, tried to manifest them into something more. Maybe he truly despised us and the rape was more about control. We have still yet to conquer that question. The three girls had rather similar experiences. All were in the 2060s Urbana, and all of them were in the same area of Urbana as well. They noticed this fact, but they weren't sure how important the fact was. Do you know any of the details about the locations by chance? I, I know they were keeping notes, Sharice explained. I'd have to check the apartment. The apartment? 
Besides meeting here, we have a hidden apartment for use for those who escape, need escape, you know, what? I'll have to get back to you on that document, maybe tomorrow night? Okay, please continue with the story. The weakling took them at opportune times. Maris had been alone and tipsy walking through the streets. He raped her within an alleyway. For some reason, this is part of their hacked code. You can't wake up from the dream. You're almost frozen. I don't know how they do it, or, and they probably do it to make sure you're there, but Sydney had been at a club. The next thing she knew, she was in the bathroom. Being raped by a guy in a ski mask. She too tried to escape but found she couldn't. Lachey had been leaving an apartment complex and was going to cross the town to a bar to meet up with friends, but instead she was taken into the park and raped behind some bushes. And this was all through the dream realm and done by some man they knew? Yes, Charisse nodded. They recalled the same information, as well as the ski mask element. I don't know if they figured out his identity, but the fact that they were killed, I think they might have. I know they were going to go to the Cardonia cops once they had enough evidence. Really? Durin's eyes widened slightly, but also she was confused. Why had there not been any written elements or diaries? But then she remembered the diary. The pages ripped out. So maybe they had had the evidence, and he had killed them for it. But there, there aren't any laws about this. What did they want to accomplish? They were rather passionate about teaching this man a lesson. I believe they were in the process of writing a letter to the Dream Realm about the small epidemic happening. Most of us would rather talk to each other than do much action. After all, who's going to believe that rape is happening in a system which has taken such a major proaction against rape? It's like saying that you're thirsty when there's water there in the freshwater lake next to you. There's so much stigma, still plenty of it today's day and age, behind rape and victims as well. Can you imagine going up to someone within the dream realm saying that you were raped? You'd be disbelieved probably because the system doesn't allow for it, but then again, the system has been taken advantage of. So do you think Maris Lachey said he found out the identity of their rapist and confronted him? Do you think he lashed out by killing them? I think that's possible. Jordan and Elias faced each other, but now aware of the reasons why one person would have had reason to kill the three girls found murdered in Cardonia. I want to hear more of your stories, Jordan asked the room, looking to the women and men who sat beside Charisse. I want to know as many details as possible about the type of men behind this epidemic, because I'm going to find out who is behind these murders, and then I'm going to bring this problem to the surface. Chapter 3 not too long later, Elias and Jordan were having drinks at yesterday's in 2010 West Coast. Isaac was nowhere to be found within the bar. Perhaps he was in the 1980s edition of the Dream Realm location. Jordan didn't even check where Isaac was. Instead, the two of them chugged their drinks as Joshua, the bartender, refilled them properly as the time went by. Suddenly, this case got so fucked up, Jordan said. Silence had so far covered their conversation up until that point. People are actually getting raped in the dream realm? Like, I say it out loud, and it almost sounds impossible, but the more I think about it, do you think it's possible that people are hacking the online database? Or is this a bug in the code? Well, I think hackers are either hacking their dream masks or otherwise hacking the dream realm interwebs and codes. But how do you get around the code? It feels very definitive. It doesn't seem to be made for any opportunity to create or use loopholes. You can't rape in the dream realm. It's not like you might be able to. The code should be rather clear. They've either cut the code out of their own experience or managed to make it appear as though the sex happening is consensual. Do you think these men are working together? Are these hackers part of something or working independently? It's too early to say. It could be a mixture of both. I could see a few hackers leaning into each other for support and tips and maybe some independence working as well. I know Cherise promised to give us the notes and details tomorrow, but I, I can't help but want them right away. 
If she's smart, she'll give us copies. Why? Why? We're on her side. She doesn't know that. None of them do. They took us for our word today, but that doesn't mean they aren't allowed to be skeptical going forward. You don't think they trust us? Of course they don't. They're victims of rape and a system which is coded to protect people from rape. They couldn't even wake up or escape what was happening. They were froze and left to experience that. How terrible is it? I wouldn't trust random strangers who just walked into my safe meeting space. You're right, Jordan sighed, and Josh with the bartender filled her glass to the brim. But even if we find the rapists and most likely the murderer of our Cardonia victims, what can we do for all those other women? I'll get in touch with Dream Realm tomorrow, see if the company will say or do anything on the matter. You focus on your Monday court cases. Now that I know these girls were raped on the Dream Realm, I might re-question some of their friends to see if there's any signs or clues on behalf of this new information. Cherie said the girls were contemplating about taking it to the police, so why didn't they take it to the police? And there were two days between each murder, why did he wait to kill the other two? Jordan's questions hung in the air for a moment before Elias considered answering them. Maybe they were waiting to approach the weakling with the information. Maybe they were gathering evidence or trying to find ways they could take him to court. I'm not sure. Maybe the weakling killed one of them to silence the other two, but then the other two were still going to turn him in. So maybe after killing two, he decided to kill the third. And maybe none of them knew about the real-life murders of one another. I, I, there's, it's, it's speculation. I can't wait to find this bastard in real life and find out why he did what he did. Jordan muttered, checking the time in real life to find that she had to wake up soon and get back to work. I do enjoy the nickname they gave him. They were trying to strip him of his power. Shame it didn't work too well. It appears that the weakling has more power than they expected. Chapter 4 Hiram, we can't do this anymore, she whispered, staring at him with a numb expression. This needs to end. Hiram didn't say anything, his body still wrapped in a blanket and his head now blinking quietly. I've been thinking the same thing. Iram sighed, turning from her to face the wall in the window before the bed. I just didn't know how to say it. I didn't think I could say it, and now you're, you've said it, and it feels terrible. It didn't feel terrible in my head. It didn't feel terrible when I said it to myself, but now it's just terrible. It may be terrible, but it has to happen, doesn't it? It does. We've lost. Whatever we had, or have had, and, and I want to try and discover some kind of closure, but there's... Really nothing I can piece together. There's no breaking point. There's nothing particular that stands out in the last six years which would have led me to believe that we'd be here. We've just become black and white, saturated, living without any true inclination of feeling, no color. I love you. I'll always love you. But I don't love you in the way that I should love you. You know, as your fiancé, I don't have the love or adoration for you that the love of your life truly should, and vice versa. I feel the same way. You'll always be a friend, a family member, but sharing the same bed, the same, the same house, having a future together as lovers or as parents, it's not meant to be. And I wish it was. I wish it could be, Hiram. I, I wish I could do something to ignite a fire between us. But the passion of our relationship has long struck ash, and we've been trying to live on memory and not the present. Okay, I'll start looking for a place immediately. How about that? That's fine with me. Jordan nodded. Just take your time, okay? Hiram would not take his time. He'd be moved out in two days after getting an immediate acceptance at an apartment complex closer to his downtown office. They would see each other two more times before he moved out, and those two times had been filled with awkward tension. Not even three months later, Hiram had left Cardonia altogether, moving up north to Seattle. 
The move had come with a new job as a partner for one of the city's drug and alcohol addiction centers. It was the next step for Hiram, and perhaps was a good clean break from the memories of Cardonia. Jordan would still be forced to see him as she stayed in Cardonia. She ended up on the beaches in front of the city in its suburban grip. The water and sand rushing her body the way Hiram had once rushed hers. She did not miss him, per se, but what he had been to her. The kind of place marker that was barely noticed when in position, but definitely noticed when without. So why had it been a problem meeting Isaac in person? Was she scared of creating another Hiram? Did she believe that she wouldn't make a connection with him in person? Maybe she didn't want to ruin what they had or felt like she'd ruined the passion. Or was she stopping the inevitable problem of falling in love and breaking his heart? Chapter 5 like standard practice, Jordan parked her car in the underground federal parking lot, said hello to Devante, arrived inside the Cardonian Justice Center, took the employee elevator, and arrived on the 10th floor of the building. How was your weekend? Teresa Jones made her cooed upon Jordan's entry. The secretary was rather happy, considering it was a Monday morning. Could have been a couple days or years longer, but how about yourself? Perhaps a bit too good, Teresa smiled. I had a brilliant date on Friday night and then an excellent date on Saturday night. I really like this gentleman. Teresa was in her late 50s and her first husband had died of natural causes five years ago. Since then, her adult children had encouraged her to continue her work with the Cardonia Justice Center and to date. The latter she'd been finding difficulty with until this last weekend, apparently. Did it get steamy? <laughs> it might have. Teresa couldn't help but smile widely. But I don't like kissing and telling. I'm glad to see that there's some kind of kissing going on. Jordan laughed slightly. Anything important for me? No, uh, you just have those four cases today, right? And following up with another three as well, correct? Yep, and what sucks is they're scattered, so I won't be getting any other work done today. Oh, darn. Oh, before I forgot, January was looking for you. She said she wanted to know how things ended on Friday night. Nothing happened. She's always trying to make things happen for me, I swear. Are you sure you don't want to kiss and tell? I'm sorry to say there was no kissing and no telling. Oh, boo, Jordan, you gotta get out there a little bit. I promise I will when I'm not too bombarded. Jordan's day was exactly as she described it to Teresa. With seven appearances in the different courtrooms of the Cardonian Justice Center, there was truly no time for her to do much but enjoy her field trips. Each of her four new court appearances were rather quick. Three admitted guilt and pled out to a variety of crimes, while the fourth one fought a bit with the judge and Jordan. This was in Judge Reinquist's courtroom, with Sherwin Aslew as the public attorney for Charles Minuscu, who was caught on camera flashing his dick out to some woman in a parking lot late at night. Now, Charles didn't believe he deserved the amount of time which Jordan and the judge believed he should experience, while well, his attorney sat between the two trying to negotiate a deal. There really isn't a need to deal, Jordan explained. We have the visual evidence of you exposing yourself to these women. There's no theories, no suggestions, no probability. You're caught. If this was to go to court any further, I would take the maximum and you would no doubt be served with it. So take the month in jail, since this is your third appearance. Take the sex registry upcharge and call it a day, Mr. Minuscu. I happen to agree with Prosecutor Furman, Judge Reinquist nodded. I think the deal is rather generous considering what evidence the state has on you, Mr. Minuscu. I want a week in jail, a fine, and no upcharge on my status as a sexual predator, Minuscu complained, sounding rather pissed that he was being upped otherwise. Charles, maybe it would be more beneficial to consider the offer presented to you, Public Attorney Sherwin Aslew whispered, even though Jordan could hear her rather clearly. No, I know what I want. If this goes to court, not only will you fail to get what you want, but you'll probably get a worse deal than the one I'm presenting. I guarantee. 
Jordan's voice might have gotten to Charles Minuscue, who then asked for time to think over his options. There was a quick pause as Judge Reinquist switched over to another case, but following that said other case, Charles Minuscue pleaded out with the prosecution. Upon leaving the courtroom with a free half hour before she had to be back in court, Jordan checked her phone to find a missing call from Elias and a text from Lynn. Noticing that Lynn was on her lunch hour, Jordan went to the employee elevators to visit her close friend while she called Elias back. So here's the situation. Elias sighed as he answered the phone. Called the company, got placed on hold, got tossed around, ended up getting kicked off the line. I don't think people took my claim seriously or really believed me. The conspiracy in me wants to know that they truly don't care because it's a threat to the company. But I, I don't think so. Well, we might have to go pay them a visit down in Silicon Valley, Jordan muttered. But that might need to wait till Saturday or something. Any other leads with the follow-up interviews? Doing my rounds surely and slowly. Cindy's roommates were shocked to hear that Cindy was raped in the dream realm. They would have never guessed. And they attributed her anger and emotion to her ordinary life rather than anything in particular, including the idea of rape. And Maris's family and close friends were also shocked, although they believed that's probably why Maris had a, a very difficult last few months. And I've yet to talk to Lachey's family, although I hope to hear something from them. You've been doing an excellent job today. Same to you. Keep up the work. Jordan ended the call and arrived in Lynn's office. Lynn was alone, eating a salad and looking through cases. So let's talk about Saturday, Lynn crankily whispered. Eric said you were extremely rude to him after dinner. It's kind of embarrassing, Jordan. What the hell happened? I was just honest and upfront with him, and if that's considered rude, then I disagree with his assessment. You do have a habit of coming across a bit sharp. A guy like Eric being undermined by a woman is going to be sharp, no matter how dull the experience truly is. He thought he had me in the bag, and he didn't. There's nothing more than that. Why didn't you like him? Do I need a reason not to like him? I mean, why can't I just not like him? Why can't it be like an ice cream or a piece of clothing where one doesn't like it and it's okay? And if he's going to yell at you about the experience, and clearly I was right to toss him aside. I just want to know so I can help. Help what? Help, keep me from being depressed and single? Because newsflash, Lynn, I'm not depressed. I'm fine being single. I'd rather be single than shacked up with someone like Eric. I never thought you were depressed. You make it seem like the only chance I have at happiness is with another man. Well, I can get another man. I've actually met a guy in the dream realm who I like, but I don't want a man, or maybe I don't want to make the situation real, but maybe I don't want to make the situation real. Maybe I don't want to meet in person because we've all heard the stories about how it goes, and... In fact, the stories were were playing within Jordan's head at that moment. The stories of how people met other people nationally and internationally through the dream realm. Forbidden romances they couldn't hold true in reality, or romances which couldn't happen due to distance. But regardless, there have been plenty of stories of people who lived only cities and states away who would meet up in person after living these mutual lives online together. They would meet up only to realize that they had shared nothing, had no real connection or spark. Two empty people trying to find wholeness within each other through a virtual connection which meant nothing off the dream realm. I, I'm sorry to have struck, struck such a chord with you. Lynn, you don't have to apologize. It's just you're the only person in Cardonia who can, I, I can approach about these kind of things. You're not my only friend. You're just my only confidant. And I want you to know that I'm over being seen as some hopeless single girl. I'm more than that. And maybe being married so happily and for so long has made you see singleness as like a disease or an issue. But I promise I'm doing great. And the second I'm not, I'll let you know. As long as we're being honest, well, there is someone. Well, kind of someone. He came into my life around the time that Hiram was leaving. And I met him on the dream realm. He actually lives in Portland, although we've never met in real life. We've just gone on some dates and spent nights together in the realms. So 
Yeah, Eric wasn't going to win during that dinner unless he was like a true soulmate of mine or something. What's his name? The guy in the dream room. Isaac. And why haven't you met in real life? I suppose there's like five reasons rolled together into one. I, I, I enjoy our connection on Dream Realm, but I don't know if we can replicate that in real life. And But I suppose I'll have to meet him soon because either I lose him by not trying to meet him in the real life or then I have to realize if we do meet, there might not be a real connection. It's the ultimate catch-22 and most likely I'm going to lose Isaac. But what's worse, wondering if it had the chance to work or realizing that it could have never worked even though you want it to work? Lynn didn't speak, but remained silent and brooding, momentarily turning her head to the window to reflect on the situation. Do you need to hear advice, or do you need to just hear yourself speak about the problems? Today I need to talk, but later this week, I'll want to listen. Chapter 6 Twelve hours later, Jordan and Elias were reunited within the dream realm, along with Charisse. Charisse had met them on the third floor of Oolong for Memories, where it had just been the three of them. The wallpaper had shifted a bit, the color palette moving towards bronze and gold on this deep Monday, borderline Tuesday. Charisse's blonde hair was placed up within a bun while her clothes were rather modest and free-flowing. Charisse opened the first set of folders and looked at the contents before explaining what was in the collection of documents. Here are their written experiences and statements, Charisse whispered, her eyes looking a bit sullen as she eyed the paper. The following documents include other stories from the men and women who you've heard from. They've also mapped out the locations of where their rapes and sexual assaults occurred. They were trying to find him on here. I'm not sure if they did, but I guess they found him in real life, didn't they? And that's why they were murdered. Are you okay, Cherise? Jordan questioned, looking a bit concerned. No, I'm not okay. I I'm still shocked that they were all killed, all three of them. I googled, I did my research today, I found out who you were, and why you were telling the truth, and... <sighs> I'm not a very interesting woman, although I feel inclined to trust you. Thank you. Elias whispered. We realize that this is hard for you and the rest of the new leaves. Well, let me know if there's anything else I can provide, Charisse explained. I I wish I had more to give you, but this is all the information which Cindy Maris and Lachey left behind. You brought us more than enough. Thank you. Charisse left the third floor soon enough and both Jordan and Elias immediately read the accounts of the three women. These accounts are rather similar, Elias whispered about a half hour later as the three finished reading the accounts. He caught all of them after they were out and about, separated them by purpose or by chance. These girls ended up alone in a situation where he could take advantage of them. He approached them with his face covered with a ski mask. He confronted them, raped them, and they each tried to escape or tried to get away but found themselves unable to do it. He finished quickly or appeared to have finished and vanished off of the spot. Immediately, all three girls jumped off the dream realm, each coming back on a week or two later, apprehensive and unsure about what had happened. Here's the thing, Jordan explained. This couldn't have been random because they're all from Cardonia. If his victims were random, they'd be from different parts of the world. Exactly. So this guy knew them, and apparently they've been figuring that out as well. These notes appear to be them listing all the different men they knew in their life. The list contained crossed-off names as well as names circled and then crossed off. Some names had no marks, others had a couple small symbols like question marks. Neither Elias or Jordan recognized any of the names, although they hoped that they'd be able to remember these names the following morning when they woke up. If they knew who was responsible, why didn't they write down his name in the notes? Maybe they didn't know, and maybe instead of the weakling took them out before they figured it out. Fuck, Jordan whispered, the idea making a lot of sense, sadly. You don't think... I don't know what to think, honestly, Elias sighed. But I do want to see if there's a place where the weakling hangs out. 
They've already mapped out the place where they were all raped. The weakling raped all three of them in the same section of 2060 Urbana. Jordan studied the map and saw the three locations which were close to each other. Why nobody had seen the girls being raped was unknown. Perhaps people did see the sex but believed it to be consensual. Nobody would have any reason to believe it was rape since rape was outlawed within the realms. As Jordan studied the map, she realized her friends were once again meeting up at yesterday's in the 2010 decade feature, but Jordan didn't have time to have such a fun night. Isaac was in the Notorium mountain range, most likely snowboarding or skiing. She wanted to see him, even if just for a moment, but she decided against it, especially because of the map she was staring at. Do you see anything? Not yet, Jordan responded immediately. The streets were painted black and white, as the streets and streets of endless urban territory were painted before them on cheap canvas paper. The three red dots looked like paint splatters, and there originally didn't appear to be any correlation, but the more Elias saw the paint splatters, the more he grew sure that there was sort of a connection between them. There it is. Elias raised a nearby pen and began tracking the dots. Lines formed out of the red paint drops as if the red dots were suns, and finally, there became one place where the main vetrixes came together, close to an intersection of Medina and Akron Avenue. Let's go here, Elias suggested, and so the two appeared instantly in the intersection. They were still in Urbana, but now the city looked a bit disparaging and ugly in this section of town. One could practically taste all the drugs in the air, which swirled upon one's palate like sour mints. There were some bars here, but mostly all the plays in the block involved stripping, prostitution, drugs, and things made illegal in the real world. The characters here did a good job hiding their faces, perhaps out of carefulness or maybe because of shame. In front of them was perhaps the queen bee of all the establishments. The sign announcing the strip club, Damsel in Distress, was large, neon, and visible for perhaps a mile around. The windows were docked with dark red light. The space looked large enough for humongous events and parties, and the clean modern establishment was a standout from the rustic and falling apart places down the street. Indeed, one could own a business in the dream realm that looked super shitty. Shall we check this place out? Elias questioned, and Jordan sighed but nodded her head. The two entered the establishment, which was currently experiencing a lot of customers. Girls with all sorts of frames and bodies were raised up on the platforms, their bodies open for all to see. There were bars on the side of the room, security covered the room like ants on an open bag of sugar, and a random DJ and MC in the back played behind the stage. Loud, sexy techno played across the space as girls orchestrated their bodies to fit the current song selection. It'd be impossible to know if the weakling was one of these customers, Jordan whispered. How do we go about this? You go talk to the girls, Elias muttered. Nobody would really question who you are talking to strippers. I'll see if I can sneak into the security office and see if there are any security cameras or anything that can help us. Okay. Jordan shrugged as she moved through the loads of men and occasional woman watching the party. She actually didn't know what was worse, the fact that people did this occasionally in real life, or the fact that people spent their time within their dreams doing this. She walked into the back room, past the security guard, which didn't even ask her if she was an employee. While the large floor of Damsel in Distress was rather simplistic with dark black walls and tons of poor lighting and strobe, the back room for the girls was rather classy and tasteful. The walls were white, while legitimate office-like space and bathrooms were devoted to the strippers that worked there. A couple of the strippers were gathered together in pockets. Some looked at themselves or got ready in front of the giant mirrors which acted like their makeup experts and best friends. One by one, Jordan approached each girl and asked them if they were aware of a man named The Weakling who had been raping some of the girls in the area. Most of the strippers were confused, saying no quickly and trying to switch the conversation. But finally, towards the back of the room, there came a girl who appeared to connect with what Jordan was saying. The rest of the strippers weren't paying too much attention, perhaps in the mentality that if they ignored Jordan, she would leave. So without the eyes of her colleagues, this stripper seemed to be able to speak up. I, I know who you're talking about. 
the one girl whispered, standing up from her little preparation desk with a look of shock on her face. She stared into Jordan's eyes, wondering if she had made a mistake telling Jordan any of this information. I... I think I know at least. Thank you so much for listening. For more podcasts and work done by me, Matt Rebar, check out my website at www.mattrebar.weebly.com. Tweet or Instagram me at Reebstar, H-R-I-B-S-T-A-R. And if you missed it, all 10 episodes of season one, Unconscious, Subconscious, are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and more. Until next time.